delightful to be back at Highland and Dalton. Good to see each person and to renew some old acquaintances. Apparently, I'm not old. That should make a difference. Good. Good to see you. And since the food will be cold by 2.30, I'll try to finish by a quarter to. So good to be here. Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man come after me, mm, refuse to deny himself, oh, mm, and take up his cross and follow me. You know, that's a comprehensive statement, isn't it? If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. But what shall a man give in exchange for his life? What shall a man be profited if he should gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? Comprehensive covers every aspect of man's being. Speaks of his identity, his duty, and his destiny. Well, now, when the Lord said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself. I mean, the fact that I am is self-evident. How can I deny myself? You know, that brings up a question. The answer to which I've tried to get across in most of the preaching that I do from the pulpit and on television the world doesn't understand it, and many people who comprehend simply do not believe it. You remember the first ten words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, Isaiah tells us, chapter 45, verse 18, that he did not create it to be a waste, no, no, but to be inhabited. And while the details are very limited, the first two chapters of Genesis give sufficient evidence of the thorough work of the Almighty. Night and day, let the earth bring forth grass, herbs yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit, wherein is the seed thereof upon the earth, and it was so. He made the sun, moon, and the stars, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, created the animal life, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and when he saw his work, he said it was very good. Then he said this in verse 26, of Genesis chapter 1. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, over all cattle, over all the earth, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And Jehovah God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and fe female created he them. An interesting thought indeed. Man is made in the image and the likeness of God. Oh, and I recall Genesis 2 verse 7, that Jehovah God formed man of the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Perfect man in a perfect world. God does no shoddy work. No noxious plants. No pesky insects. And everything in this perfect world is subject to Adam. That can't be improved upon, or can it? 
Uh, do you remember among the first things God said about Adam, Genesis 2, verse 18? He said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a help meet for him. Uh, M-E-E-T, suitable, answering uh, to his needs. <laughs> what could man need? I mean, in a perfect world with everything in it subject to him. Top gun, I mean, he... Oh, that statement, uh, and Jehovah God created man in his own image. Oh, I remember John said in 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is begotten of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Right? God is love. That's why he created the earth in the first place. Oh, and then the crowning creature of his creative powers. What did Adam need? He needed someone who could be the object of his love. Someone for whose welfare he could provide. It's someone in whose embrace he is complete. Well, the lower forms of animal life didn't work. Uh, God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam, opened his side, took a rib therefrom, and closed up the flesh and stood thereof. Oh, and of the rib he made the woman and gave her to be with the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Therefore she should be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Oh, and God said in verse 24, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, they too shall become one flesh. Fullness, perfection, as close to heaven as you'll get on this old earth, is on a happy marriage. There's no question about that at all. But what were the words? Uh, I'll make him a help meet for him, answering his needs. Oh, Adam, made in the image and the likeness of God, he must have an object for his love. But there's more to it than that. And Jehovah God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Right. I remember that Jesus said in John chapter 4 verse 24 that God is a spirit. But he also said in Luke chapter 24 verse 39 that a spirit does not have flesh and bone. Right. So we don't look like God. Well, certainly not. How then are we made in the image and the likeness of God? Oh, we are immortal spirits possessed of free moral agency. We are intelligent creatures who must make choices. Oh, you know that's true. Let's go back to that verse 7, Genesis 2. Jehovah God formed man of the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. The next statement, and God planted a beautiful garden eastward in Eden. Why a garden? The earth is perfect. Not good enough for this crown and creature. Planted a garden eastward in Eden, and therein he made to grow every tree that was pleasant to the sight and good for food. And in the midst of the garden, the tree of life, of which Adam could eat on a regular basis and live forever. One, uh, also uh, in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
God said in verse 17 of Genesis chapter 2, Thou shalt not eat thereof. For on the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Why would a God, the epitome of love and mercy and grace, and even, why would he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden in the first place? Back to Genesis 1, verse 26. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I've placed before you life and death, therefore choose. Oh, that's Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Right? God said, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I've placed before you life and death, therefore choose. Now he said, choose life that thou mayest live in thy seed, but the choice is yours and mine. You see, that's the way we're made. In the image and the likeness of God. That's, a, that's an interesting thought. I remember that John said, uh, Beloved, love not the world, and neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And these are not of the Father, but of the world. The world passeth away on the lusts thereof. But he that doeth the will of the Father abideth forever. If you go back to Genesis, you know the story. We don't have time, but Satan approached Mother Eve. Yea, if God said you shall not eat of every tree, shut up. If he didn't know what God said about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he wouldn't have brought it up. Get thee behind me, Satan. No. No, she was like most of us. What do you say, Satan? We listen. We know what God said. That's enough. That's the basis of life's decisions. Uh, This is the instruction by which I'm to order. No, 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 no. Oh, of all the trees of the garden we may freely eat, but of the tree of... In the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you knew exactly what God said. Oh, Satan said, thou shalt not surely die. Hey, God doth know the day that you eat of that tree, you'll be as God. Say, knowing good and eat. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh. Pleasant to the eye, lust of the eye. Desire to make one wise, pride of life. She took, ate, gave to her husband, and he did it with her. Verse 6, nah, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? The only three avenues through which Satan can approach to attempt the human family. Oh, 10,000 temptations in each area, but that's it. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of this old physical life. What did you say, Lord? If any man come unto me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and, Lord, I've been redeemed by the blood of Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. With a great sacrifice that heaven made, I have been brought into a covenant relationship with my maker. I'm a child of God. And Jesus created this world and the universe that we see with all of its beauty. John said so, didn't he? John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Sure. Well then, I'm a child of God. I I should be in the king's court. I should have anything I want on this whole. 
take up his cross? Lord, the, the, the cross is an emblem of shame, sorrow, and death. That's right. What, what is he saying? Take up his cross and... Friend, you are a spiritual being in a physical world. Ah, you're in a physical world that is alienated from God. As a matter of fact, didn't Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it is veiled in them that perish, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, shall not dawn upon them. What's he saying? Satan is the God of this world? Yes, sir. Mankind generally has given his allegiance to Satan. Not I. I pledge my life to him who died to redeem my soul. I'm an immortal spirit. Yes, but I'm living in a very wicked, fallen world. Oh, take up his cross. It isn't easy. As a matter of fact, even your own body rebels against you. What was it Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27? I buffet my body and bring it into subjection, lest after having preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What is he saying? Friend, you let this thing run wild, you lose your soul. Yes, sir. Oh, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God himself cannot be tempted with evil, or neither tempteth he any man. But each man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Yeah, and the lust, when it hath conceived, beareth sin. And the sin, when it is full grown, bringeth forth death. What would you say? Deny himself. Take up his cross. It isn't easy. As a matter of fact, every time he refers to the spiritual life that should characterize those made in the image and the likeness of God, it's difficult. Enter ye in at the narrow gate. Over broad is the gate and wide is the way that leadeth unto destruction. And many there be that go in there at. But narrow the gate and straightened, S-T-R-A-I-T-E-N-E-D, compressed, difficult, the way that leadeth unto life everlasting. And few there be that find it. Lord, are you saying that it's impossible to comprehend, to understand your word? Well, no, no, no. Most simple thing in the world. Wherein lies the difficulty? I am a spiritual being. In a physical world and temporarily clothed in flesh. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Do you remember what Jesus said, Luke chapter 14, if I go about verse 25, beginning? There followed him great multitudes. He turned and said unto them, If any man come unto me and hate not his own father and mother, wife and children, brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever he be of you that will not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you desiring to build a tower doth not first sit down and count the cost, whether he have wherewith to complete it, lest haply when he hath laid the foundation that is not able to finish, all that behold begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. What king, as he goeth to encounter another king in war, doth not first sit down and take counsel? Whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000 or else. While the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and asketh conditions of peace. So therefore, 
whosoever he be of you that renounceth not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. You see, everything in this world is temporary. Nothing here will endure. Wherefore we faint not, though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is for the moment, worketh for us more and more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. But what's the viewpoint? While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And we know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, and it will be, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So we bear a cross. That's right. But you know, in the bearing of that cross, while there is persecution from this old world, and we understand that, there is a deep-seated joy that uh, is beyond description. There's a hope that anchors the soul. Oh, there is a contentment in the knowledge that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. Wonderful, isn't it? Notice what he said. If any man come unto me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever would save his life shall lose. He, Lord, are you saying that I should be unconcerned with my physical welfare? No. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 9, you remember the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus. Saw the Lord and for three days and nights could neither eat nor drink. Penitent believer. Ananias came to him and uh, gave him instructions. Restored his sight. He was baptized, washed his sins away. And he began immediately to publish abroad the kingdom of God. I mean, he's here in Damascus preaching this Christ. And he came up here to bind men and women who believed in Christ, take them back to Jerusalem to stand trial. And the Orthodox Jews, when they heard this, man, that fellow's a traitor. They set up an ambush in every gate. We're going to kill him. Oh, but his disciples let him down to the wall in a basket, and he escaped. Paul, you're concerned with your physical life? Why, certainly he's concerned with his physical life. The very idea. Definitely. Well, somebody says, yeah, but... Let, let the Lord explain this thing. Didn't he say something like this, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19? Lay not up yourself treasure upon the earth, where moth and bust consume, where thieves break through and steal. Hey, Lord, are you telling me that it's wrong for me to have a, maybe a bank account or a little, little laid up for a rainy day or to have my place paid? Why, certainly not. Where there's no vision, the people perish. What is that, Proverbs 29? About verse 18. We make plans. Lord, I don't care how much money you have. No, no. That's uh, of no concern. You have the acumen, the ability to make money, make money. Fine. Just remember that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation, neither shadow that is cast by turning. James 1.17. And you didn't bring it and you won't take it. And while you're here, it isn't yours. You're a spiritual being in a physical world, and God gives you the means of representing him in a fallen estate. Well, that's what he's saying. Place the emphasis where it belongs. Listen to it. Lay not of yourself treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust consume, where thieves break through and steal. 
But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth consume, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Uh, the purpose of verse 21. Next thought. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. For the amount of material goods that you control in this whole world, neither here nor there, that'll make any difference. Oh, and like somebody says, preach your money, so rude, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. Just like the Lord said, rich man can't go to heaven. No, he wasn't talking about a fellow with money. No, no. What was it Paul said? First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, which some reaching after have been led astray from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Money is a medium of exchange. It's neither good or bad. How do I use it? To whom am I thankful for its possession? To whom do I give thanks for the talent and the ability and the strength, the alacrity of the old right hand to earn it? Oh, then we use it in his service. Right. No, no. Rich man that can't go to heaven is the fellow who loves his money. He puts his money ahead of the Lord. What was that statement? If any man come unto me and hate not his own father and mother, why, oh, Lord, we're commanded to love our wife, certainly. No question about that. Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, that thy days may be long upon thee. Why, sure, we're to love our... Well, somebody says, what's he talking about? Hate father or mother? Friend... As Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, rightly dividing the word is fundamentally important. The sum of thy commandments is truth. Psalms 119, verse 160. Do you have all God has said on one subject? You don't have the truth. Matthew 10, verse 37. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Oh, then Christ will be first in your life or he isn't in your life. That's who I am. I'm an immortal spirit, made in the image and the likeness of God. Then the primary relationship that I sustain is spiritual. It is uh, to Christ. Oh, the family relationship, wonderful. And they are great, and uh, we benefit from them, and we share the 1926 gospel according to John. Jesus hanging on the cross, saw his mother standing nearby, that disciple whom he loved. He said, woman, behold thy son. He said to that disciple, son, behold thy mother. Oh, from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. What are you talking about? She's got other sons and daughters. Well, it's like Jesus was talking, wasn't it, in Matthew chapter 12? If you begin about verse 46 on through 49, he's surrounded by a multitude. Someone said to him, thy brethren and thy mother stand without seeking to speak to thee. He said, who is my Mother and my brethren. Stretched forth his hand toward his disciples. He said, he that doeth the will of my father, the same is my brother, my sister, and my mother. The primary relationship sustained in this life is spiritual. Deny oneself. Careful how you use the flesh. Be sure that you emphasize your true being. And magnify the relationship that you sustain to the Almighty because all of these will pass. Nothing here 
will endure. Oh, but you and I will live forever. Isn't that what he said? I've got to conclude this. I want to say a whole lot more, but I don't have time. He said, For what shall a man be profited if he should gain the whole world and forfeit his life? American Standard Version. Lose his soul. His eternal life. What would he give in exchange for his life? Think about that. Mm, We are immortal spirits. Right. Until God dies, you and I will live. That's right. Yeah, but God won't die. You get the picture. Made in the image and the likeness of God, when you put this mess off, there's perfection. See? You're equipped for perfect bliss or perfect punishment, but you will live forever. Listen to it. Last verse in the scene of the judgment, Matthew chapter 25, begins at verse 31, ends with verse 46. These shall go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You're made in the image of the likeness of God. You cannot cease to be. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Somebody says, preacher, you know good and well God wouldn't send anybody to hell. Why, certainly not. God is not in the sending to hell business. Why, certainly not. God so loved the world, that's you and me, sinners, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, God is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering to us, but not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter chapter 3 at verse 9. I remember Isaiah 55 verses 6 and 7. Seek ye Jehovah while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto Jehovah and he will have mercy unto our God. For he will abundantly pardon. Oh, the spirit and the bride say come. Let him that heareth say come. Let him that is a thirst come. Whosoever will, let him come and take of the waters of life freely. God is not in the sending to hell business. God is in the saving business. You are in the sending to hell business. What was that he said? For what shall a man be profited? If he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Made in the image and the likeness of God. Creature of choice. That's why there were two trees. Life, death. Heaven, hell. Move it. You have one shot. Life isn't serious. Life is deadly serious. You'll pass this way but once. You meet none coming back to right any wrongs or to correct any mistakes. But you'll live forever. It breaks my heart. I sometimes weep when I read the scripture. And I think of people who've been so influential, who've done a lot of good. And in all of my knowledge of their history, they didn't know the Lord. Go out of the world having misunderstood what life was all about. Didn't know who they were. Did not know from whence they came. 
what they should have been doing here or, or where they were going. You're an immortal soul. Where will you be in eternity? The word spend is a misnomer. A million years from right now, you'll be much more conscious than you are presently. A billion years from right now, much more conscious than you are presently. You're made in the image and the likeness of God. Don't put off the most important thing in the life of a responsible human being. Give yourself, your heart, and your service to him who died to redeem your soul. And it's a very simple process. It's a matter of faith. That's that. Believing Christ to be the Son of God, we turn from the willful practice of sin. And upon an acknowledgement of that faith, we're buried with our Lord in baptism. Uh, raised to walk in newness of life. And he placed it in that setting. He used that kind of terminology so that when you do it, he gets the credit. I couldn't have figured it out. To me, it doesn't make sense. Physically speaking, being dipped in the water for the remission, deny himself. Oh, take up his cross and follow me. Would you do that? Would you give your life to the Lord this morning, even right now, while together we stand and sing?